Hello and welcome to Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020. Hello, fans. Hello and welcome to our second rapid fire miniature episode of Kayla and Harrison. The podcast where we complain <laughs> and yeah. sing, apparently, quite a bit. I know, I've, I've been doing it a lot lately. That's okay. That's okay. It's the season. It's the Crambush season. The Crambush season. And last episode, which was just yesterday, mm-hmm. this week we're doing, as Kayla said, special rapid fire episodes each day. Leading up to, oh my god, my table is collapsing. Hold on one second. It's back. Leading up to... <laughs> is your... I'm sorry. Jesus' is birthday. Jesus. Uh, are you... Is your desk mechanical? It's a mechanical animal, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so we're talking about Home Alone 2. A film... Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. How dare you? I can't believe what I had said. Um, yes. Which was released just two years after the magnum opus Mm -hmm. Home Alone, directed by Chris Columbus, produced and written by John Hughes. One of the most impressive things about this film that I'm going to say right off the bat, and I don't have any background information on this. There is no movie that made us about the second film baloney um so i don't know how they managed to do this but i'm honestly very impressed by the cast of this film not just because they have famous people in it but because like everyone returned yeah i mean am i wrong i think so and this is 14 people who are the actors of the McAllister family but you have to think the amount of money (laughs) that the first one made sure but like all of them came back, and both of the Wet Bandits came back. Everyone came back for this film. How? And Rip Taylor. I mean, dear God, how? Yeah. I just don't know how they managed to pull that off. I mean, I guess I'm under I'm underselling how much money the first one made. I think you're right. That's clearly what I'm messing up here. Yeah, I think that it would be interesting to kind of. I I think that it was like a phenomenon when Home Alone came out. I think like. It came out a month before Christmas in 1990. I think people, like, lost their fucking minds. They were like, this is the best shit we've ever seen. It's an action movie, except it's a child. It's got Catherine O'Hara. Macaulay Culkin is all over every magazine now. And then, how do we up the ante? We tell the same exact implausible story literally a second time. It's not even just that the the story is the same implausible story like the the idea of him being left alone over christmas is like yeah that's the same story but like even little things like the fact that he gets into a fight with his big brother buzz and ends up being punished by making him stay in the attic like that's the same thing yeah the only difference in this film is that he does make it to the airport how did they anyway do you remember i didn't remember this until i rewatched this film because this is definitely not like a, a classic, the second one that we watch every year, like at my in-laws, the second one we watch. So I hadn't rewatched this one in a long time. But rewatching it immediately, one of the first scenes with Macaulay Culkin is him with that little 
cockroid. Oh yeah. That, the machine that record that was one hundred percent cause focus. If you could buy that, and I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. I had one. A talkback. Yeah. Isn't but that what like, it's called? Well, I think his is called a talk boy, but I feel like I remember being a kid and being like, "Mom, I need this amazing toy." From Home Alone 2. And I would have been four years old when this film came out. Yeah, I had a yak back. Do you remember those? Yes. But I want to feel, I feel like I remember, and I'm trying to look it up. Like, is the Talk Boy the actual brand? Or did other brands? I think so, because wasn't there a Talk Girl? Because I, I just feel like, yeah, this had to have existed as a real thing. Yeah. It was originally conceived as a cassette recorder and player prop for the 1990 oh. film. 1992 film Home Alone, Lost in New York. So they made it after the film. So that's not yes. technically product placement. I mean, it is product placement after the fact. It's like product placement by proxy. Yes. Because I definitely. And have if one you identify as a girl, then they have. Thank God. A very fun thing in store for you, which is a pink version, because we all know that gender is a binary, and you can't have pink things if you're a boy hold on let me see a picture of this i bet i bet i had this talk girl not the talk boy i'm sure my mom was like of course don't worry i got you this weird pink and purple version of what your hero macaulay culkin had in home alone too <laughs> something that just essentially records and plays back the implication with macaulay culkin seems to be that he's so good at using it that he can like go back and forth with very specific specific things that he recorded even though it, it is just one cassette but there's nothing really sophisticated about it at all yeah and you can't really fast forward to the one minute mark where you've recorded something uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of plot holes a lot of plot holes in home alone i don't know why i'm nitpicking on this other than it was just i think i mentioned in the last film where this is one of those movies where i was like did i see this when i was a kid and then as soon as i saw that fucking toy i was like oh flashback yeah yes, i probably 100%. i probably have not watched home alone 2 since it came out or maybe like once in the 90s yeah it's <laughs> so, a long time since i've seen this trash movie so harrison we already mentioned that the plot of this film is almost exactly the same but can you give us a rundown of what happens in home alone 2 i sure can <laughs> kevin McAllister, once again is on his own and oh, this christmas this yeah, this it's because he took the wrong flight kevin McAllister is on his way to new york and where is his family going harrison i literally don't remember and i just watched it they're not going to new york oh they're going to florida okay i remember because kevin is a real jerk about like again he's a child so like if i was his mother i wouldn't be saying it this way but like he's like why are you going to florida there aren't even any coniferous forests down there. <laughs> it's essentially what he says. Because all Kevin McAllister wants is a coniferous forest. He just—he's obsessed with Christmas trees. He just—he's a—he's a fucking elf. That would explain a lot of things. Big—that's the big reveal in Home Alone Three—is that Kevin McAllister is an elf. Can we talk about? Okay, wait. We haven't even gotten through the plot of Home Alone Two. No, we haven't. I'm hold off. I'm holding off. I'm um, so Kevin somehow has his dad's credit card and goes to somehow, okay, I have some, there's a lot of questions he has his here. his dad's purse this whole movie. Somehow, because at the beginning, 
he's like, Dad, I need batteries for my hockey puck oh, yeah. machine that I'm obsessed with. And his dad's like, here, take my purse. It's full of all of our money and credit cards and some batteries for your talk, 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 talk boy. That's where you keep your talk, talk batteries is with all talk of your talk. very um, important credit cards yeah. and identification. And just like an envelope of cash, straight up cash. Yeah, because they're fucking wealthy, lest we forget. We can't. Um, so Kevin gets to New York. Don't ask me how. He leaves LaGuardia Airport and gets to Times Square and gets a he hotel. Gets everywhere. He gets to everywhere. He goes up how old is Kevin in this the... movie? Two years after the last one? So he's in like, he's in like fifth grade. And he's 10 now? And he's managed to convince mm-hmm. a, let's just say a premier, I don't know, it looks bougie, hotel, uh-huh. and all of the people that work there, that he is speaking on behalf of his father, who has a lot of money, including and Donald Trump. including Donald Trump, Tim Curry, uh-huh. and and that guy from all the Adam Sandler movies, Who's that Rob guy? Schneider. There you go. Um. So, long story short, Kevin's back. This time, instead of being in his house, he's in a bougie hotel room. He's ordering ice cream. The kid lives off sugar for the duration of this movie. Yes. And then, instead of next-door neighbor old man, we have a surrogate character, homeless pigeon woman. Who essentially fills the same void. And... Guess what? The silver bandits are back. The gold? Wait. How? The sticky wet bandits. Sorry. The sticky wet bandits. Whatever the hell they're called. (laughs) They're back. Somehow they don't have brain damage from all of the concussions that they incurred during the last movie. No facial facial reconstructive surgery was necessary. scars. They should have been covered in scars. Hmm. What could... Yeah. Let's theorize what could have made this movie better. If they had skeletal reanimated corpse looking appearance from all of the injuries that they sustained during the first movie, (laughs) maybe (laughs) this would have been more enjoyable. I have to tell you, I mentioned this on our last, on yesterday's episode, but the guy who does the pitch meetings for Screen Rant, he also has an episode on this one. And he, the joke is that he's pitching a movie to the executives. That's how he does these movie reviews. And at one point, he's like, and then it's revealed that the wet bandits are, like, immortal beings. And the exec is like, that doesn't make any sense. We can't do that. And the guy's like, well, but how could he possibly explain all the things that happened to him (laughs) in the first Home Alone and then in the second Home Alone unless they are, like, gods? (laughs) Yeah. Because they're literally just, like, practically torn apart. Although still no blood, like we've mentioned before. There's nothing – it's just, it's just like, implied – Gut punches, things falling on them, falling backwards, electrocutions, no blood. Um, all of those things, and they're lit on fire. Mm-hmm. They lose hair. Mm-hmm. They're tar and feathered. Mm-hmm. I mean, that one's like not even a big deal. They fall through multiple le- levels. Oh, wait a second. Don't they fall through the f- literal floor? Don't they break through the floor into the first level? Or was that in the first one? I don't, you know, I have a problem with violence in movies, and it's not because I'm, you know, 
Barbara Bush, but like, because it makes me zone out. Like, I'm actually having a really hard time differentiating the violence from the New York movie and the one from the first one. I think they fall through multiple floors in this one. They fall down a lot of stairs in the first one. Yeah, I just thought for some reason they just, like, break through the floor, and then I forgot about that, and then I was like, how does Kevin explain? Oh, yeah, because he they're in, when he does all this crazy stuff, he's in his uncle's house? That he happens to know where it is, and it's like in New York City, he has an uncle whose house is being renovated. So it's like I think the idea is he, they fall through the townhouse because it's like under construction. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So anyway, the two criminals are back. We don't know how they end up in New York, do we? How the criminals do? Yeah. I remember they they hitched a ride from whichever prison they broke out of. Oh, they broke out of prison. There's a moment, there's a moment at the beginning of the film where a piece of newspaper, like, flies around the McAllister's house and it gets stuck on the door and it says, the wet bandits have escaped prison. And then, later in the film, when Kevin is gallivanting around New York City, it just so happens that the wet bandits have hitchhiked to the, like, exact fish market that Kevin McAllister is at. And they come out of a fish truck. And are like, here we are in New York City. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> That's just how these things work, Harrison. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I have a co- I have a lot of feelings about this film. I'm personally ready for my review. Give us your review. Okay, so this film is so aggressively a ripoff of its own predecessor it might as well be a reboot it's i can't having watched them back to back in the way that i did it it was so clear that they're the same it's so lazy harrison and it makes you all the bad feelings i had at the end of the first one where i'm like this is like a really crappy way to raise kids like this poor kid can't be faulted for being angry like he's essentially ostracized from the whole family for being angry because someone else in the family was cruel to him and that's the exact way this film starts. The exact way. The idea that the mother wouldn't be obsessively holding on to that little boy's hand the whole time they're in. I, I can't. Can you imagine the trauma? If we are to believe that she truly feels bad about what happens in the first movie, how could she have possibly done the exact same thing twice? And I'm, I'm letting the father off the hook because of sexism. How could either of them? How could they possibly make these same mistakes again and it's not charming or funny like we did it again it's like this is <laughs> but i think to i think to a lot of people that they marketed this movie to they're like hilarity ensues when kevin goes missing again but it's like we had to uh, just personally feel like you have to suspend so much disbelief in order to buy a single plot point from the original that to do it again is like at, is tiring it's hard also for me to sympathize with a rich family end of statement but the but that the little things in this movie like all the money they spend going every christmas for weeks and weeks to some exotic place like france or florida (laughs) Um, and then at the end there's that gag about how he spent nine hundred dollars in room service and it's like you're staying at the plaza hotel you're staying in like a townhouse suite in the plaza hotel you 
just you just continue to do that, right? Yeah, nine hundred dollars is the least of your worries. That's what I'm. But that's that's the end gag of this whole film. And when it comes, you're like, oh, and right before that, the little boy Kevin gives that homeless woman in the park like he's about to open a present, and he's like, wait a minute, my homeless friend in the park. And he goes out there and gives her a ceramic gum. And like, I get that it's emotional, and like, it's he's like, it's because we're friends, and I won't ever forget you. And this is the relationship and the toy store manager. I don't fucking know. It's just it rang really hollow. And like I said in my review yesterday, the hollowness <laughs> of this film really fucked with my enjoyment of the first one. Yeah. You know? Man, I've been a Debbie Downer the last couple episodes here. But or are you I just being a realist? I, I, I will say. It was so, yeah, and then like, I feel like it's even more transparent here. I'm not sure if you just, do you watch SNL? Uh, yeah, I mean, I do. Did you watch the episode this past week with um no i definitely haven't seen any in the last couple weeks oh you should watch it there's this bit about home alone too and it's essentially like <laughs> is there really that's amazing it's uh the pigeon woman is talking to kevin and he's like so anyway yeah i'm like holed up in this apartment i spent 900 dollars on ice cream and she's just like oh okay and he's like Anyway, I, I have all this pizza, and she's like, oh my god, thank you, Kevin, I'm starving. And he just throws it to the pigeons. He's like, here you go, pigeons, eat! And then she just, like, looks down at it. And then he's like, yeah, um, I have a, I have a, like, a, I have a, an extra room that no one's even sleeping in. And she's like, oh, oh, perhaps, perhaps I could sleep there since I just saved you from these two criminals and he's like well i don't know that would be kind of weird there's only one bed and she's like i could sleep on the floor and it's and then literally the the wet bandits uh come and they're like we're gonna follow you up to your apartment and so she just literally bludgeons them with this umbrella and then just starts stabbing them and blood is spraying all over her and all over kevin and he just grabs his like little cheeks and screams and then he's like, did you just kill those people? She's like, no, they're just sleeping. Let's go to your hotel. <laughs> oh, my God. And it is perfect because this houseless savior pigeon character is just living in Central Park. And he's just flaunting his wealth to her. to his palace in Chicago <laughs> that he remembers her. So, but, okay, I'm a Scrooge, and that SNL skit is hilarious, and it's true. I'm actually going to give this film not a 1 out of 6, which is the lowest you would do. I'm going to say a 2 out of 6. Because, again, when you watch the beginning of it, you have that sense where you're like, this is fun. This is a fun, like, what would you do if you're a kid alone in New York City? You do all the same stuff he does, like, assuming you have unlimited money. And, like, how fun, how goofy. Rob Schneider is one of the bellhops. Tim Curry is one of the other bellhops. This is a romp, a delightful romp. And that doesn't last very long. No. But it lasts long enough for a two out of six. Yeah. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give it the same thing, because fool me once. Shame on me. <laughs> fool me twice. You fool me once, you can't get fooled again. To quote George <laughs> W. Bush. This gets a two out of six. And that's all I have to say about that. You can't, yeah. Whew. We're churning through these Christmas movies. Yeah, we it's are. It's just been a, it's a joy. The, the Christmas spirit is with me and such. 
Yes, it is. And tomorrow, tomorrow's episode is going to be even better. It's going to fill us with joy. It's a new holiday classic known as Happiest Season. Oh, so God. we look forward. Hooray! To... <laughs> I'm sure I'll love that too. We look forward to continuing our lovely romp through Christmas next time with Happiest Season. Can I just encourage you? Yes. Bye. Bye.